0: and as promised, it's time for Cinema Talk, and we are going to talk about one of our favorite directors, yes, Sir Ridley Scott, yes. and I didn't realize he was a sir until I started doing some, I'm like, holy oh, cow, he's been yes. knighted. He has been, been knighted. So Michelle did some wonderful research, and she's going to tell us all about Ridley all right. Scott.
1: Yes, so Ridley Scott was born on November 30th, 1937, in South Shields in Northeast England to Colonel Francis Percy Scott and Elizabeth Scott, who had this huge affinity for cinema that she would pass down to her children. Now, he has two brothers, Frank, who was born in 1934, who worked as a shipping captain. And I believe, unfortunately, Frank passed away from cancer Back in like 1980, if I'm not mistaken. Oof. And we also have um, Tony Scott, of course, uh, who was born in 1944 and also was a f- great film director like his big brother. Um, I am going to talk a little bit more about Tony at the end of the introduction because I just kind of want to focus on Ridley right now. Right. So Ridley's great uncle, Dixon Scott. This I was really cool to learn. Dixon Scott started a cinema chain empire around the beginning of the 20th century. And in the 1930s, he founded the Tyneside Cinema, which is the last remaining newsreel theater in the UK. So he was big on showing these newsreels. He wanted to educate the public about what was going on in the world and locally. So that's really cool. So Ridley had dreams of working in the film industry as a child, but he thought his career goal was unattainable and unrealistic. You know, back in the you know nineteen forties fifties, he just didn't think it was possible. Uh, some films that intrigued, uh, well, yeah, and luckily he didn't believe that, right? <laughs> he was able to achieve his dream. So go yeah. for your dreams, that's yeah, right. don't give Absolutely. up on them. But also, uh, some films that intrigued Ridley in his childhood were the black. The Black Swan from 1942, not to be confused with the Natalie Portman film, of course. Um, Gilda from 1946 and Citizen Kane of course the the classic uh masterpiece uh his mother actually took him to see that film now when he'd go to his movies in the youth he w- in his youth he would like just sometimes stay at the theater from the early afternoon to late at night i know like my mom and my aunt used to go to the movies a lot but they were also a lot cheaper in the 1940s and 50s than they are now you could pretty much spend the day at the theater for a few bucks so yeah he was a hardcore cinephile like he just devoured cinema in his childhood and in his um college days so at 19 scott wanted to follow in his father's footsteps and join the military but his father encouraged him to study art which both his father and ridley scott had a talent for so uh ridley wound up earning his uh b.a in design from the west hartlepool college of art in 1958 and also in 58 he began studying at the royal college of art in london while the school did not have a formal film department so this is in Film schools were just starting out in the 1960s. I mean, uh, I think like New York City, uh, NYC film school was just starting out like in 19 mid 1960s when Scorsese was attending, you know, NYC. So, yeah, the film schools were just not common at this time. So they didn't have a formal film department, but uh, Ridley was able to study under George Haslam who was the head of the television designer area. So they did have, he was able to do some studying in, um yeah, in TV design, set design. So that's really cool. So while studying at the Royal College of Art in 1961, he uh, wrote, directed and produced his first film, the black and white short Boy and Bicycle, which stars his brother Tony as the titular boy. So the sh- the short featured a filmmaking technique that would become like a trademark in Scott's work, uh, shooting directly like into a light source such as the sun. You see that a lot. You'll see like like beams of light and yeah. shooting. Oh, yeah, it is yep. definitely a trademark of his of his work. Uh, the short also had an industrial setting, which, of course, some of his later films would have like his one of his master, you know, one of his masterworks Blade Runner, of course, has that classic. Um, dystopian industrial setting. So Scott directed with first class, graduated. Scott graduated with uh, first class honors and an MA in graphic design from the Royal College of Art in 1961. And after graduating, he worked as a set designer in training for the BBC. He eventually convinced his bosses to at the BBC to let him take a director's course and was finally able to direct TV episodes, which is what he really wanted to do. Actually, if you go to IMDb, uh, his first directing credit... Is for one episode of a BBC police procedural called Z Cars from 1965. <laughs> I don't know what Z Cars is, but I don't know a lot about BBC shows. I know like Doctor Who and a few others, and that's about it. So, um, oh, funny thing about Doctor Who, uh, he actually was going to work on one of the Doctor Who serial- serials and There was a scheduling conflict, so I just felt like I had to mention that because I'm I'm a Doctor Who fan. So Uh, now Scott eventually left the BBC due to poor pay and started focusing more on directing commercials, which he felt were not only uh, more financially satisfying, but also creatively satisfying because he just felt like he had more creative control than he did at the BBC. So uh, while in 1967, while he was in his late 20s, he founded his own production company called Ridley Scott Associates. So that's pretty cool to have your own company <laughs> like, you know, when you're pushing 30. So the company's focus was creating high-quality commercials. Uh, Tony Scott was a co-owner of the company. While Scott was making a lot of money directing commercials, he was dissatisfied because he was nearing middle age and had never directed a feature film. And a lot of his colleagues, uh, who were working at Release God Associates were getting feature film directing uh, work and he just wasn't so he decided to in 1977 uh, when he was 40 years old his first feature film was released so <laughs> it's again it's never too late you know I mean never too late to follow your dreams. Uh, the Duelists It was his first feature film. It's a period piece set during the Napoleonic Wars uh, starring Keith Carradine and Harvey Keitel. It's based on the short story The Duel by Joseph Conrad, and it won Best First Work at the 1977 Cannes Film Festival. I've never seen this film. Jay, have you?
0: No, I have not. I know exactly what it is. I know the cover box from working a blockbuster video, but I've never watched it.
1: Yeah, I'll have to get around to watching that for sure. Uh, So Scott's next two features... now weren't maybe the most critically lauded films when they came out. Now are regarded as two of the greatest science fiction films ever made. So that's of course Alien from 1979 and Blade Runner from 1982 which we'll be talking about in detail today. So Let me oh, stop yes, you real yes, quick yes. though because
0: I was like ooh 79 I was 14 years old yeah. and I remember when Alien came out. Uh-huh. And I remember the trailers and I remember like our next-door neighbor was like old enough to go yeah. he was like 18 years yeah. old. And, like, him, like, talking about the chest-bursting scene and, like, everyone, like, wanting to see this movie. I mean, mean, it was a big thing back especially when you're a young kid. Oh, yeah. You you know, you want to see it. But I remember when that came out. And that that didn't have the same buzz with Blade Runner later on. Alien had a lot more buzz than that. So, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, thanks
1: for sharing that. Yeah, I I appreciate that knowledge. I was... Because I was unfortunately, yeah, I was not around back then. You weren't then, here yet. So, yeah, but <laughs> no. Lady. So thanks for sharing that for <laughs> sure. Um, from uh, so, I also want to mention um, in 1983, Scott directed the renowned 1984 ad to promote the Apple Macintosh personal computer. Uh, It's regarded as one of the greatest advertisements of all time. I believe it aired, again, you can confirm this better than I can, I believe it aired during the 1984 Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Now, uh, my sister studied, she was an advertising student at Columbia College in Chicago, and we used to call this the Citizen Kane of ads, not just because of its quality, but because, like, I study I was a film I studied film and I'd have to watch like Citizen Kane like in every class my sister had to watch the 1984 class in every single advertising class she took at Columbia. <laughs> and she's like I don't want to watch that ad anymore. So, but it is a classic, definitely one of the greatest ads ever made. Um, and you know Scott, Scott obviously has a lot of you know he has a lot of experience directing ads. So uh, he has, according to IMDb, 57 directing credits. It doesn't list like every single commercial you know he directed back in the day. So I just wanted to highlight some of his best known and reviewed works, which include Legend from 1985, which I used to watch all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Curry scared me, but uh, there's also Black Rain from 1989, Thelma and Louise. 1991. I love that movie. Yes. That's One of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. That's my favorite movie about female friendship. And Shawshank's my favorite movie about male friendship. Okay. <laughs> so there's also G.I. Jade from 1997. I, I used to like that movie as well. Gladiator from 2000. Watched that all the time when it came out. There's Black Hawk Down from 2001. Matchstick Men from 2003. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven from 2005. American Gangster. Great film from 2007. Right. Prometheus from 2012. Okay. I just had to mention The Counselor. Have you seen The Counselor? I have not. Oh, my Okay, I'm just going to say there's a really weird scene with Cameron Diaz on a car that I can't talk about on air. (laughs) Go check it out for yourself. All right. It's really weird. (laughs) There's also The Martian for 2015. We're going to be talking about that in detail. Alien Covenant from 2017 and The Last Duel and House of Gucci both released in 2021. The trailer uh, for Napoleon uh, starring Joaquin Felix was just released a few weeks ago. And the film is slated for release on November 22nd of this year. But we don't know what's going to happen with the actor's strike. It might be pushing some films back. Sure. Yeah, we just have to see. So um, his most recent film in production is Gladiator 2. And that production, that filming ceased this month because of the SAG after a strike. So um, And I was following that production pretty closely because I'm a, I'm a uh, stan of Pedro Pascal. <laughs> so I follow yeah. his career pretty closely. Yeah. He's in that movie. I don't know who he plays. He, Denzel's in that movie. Um, Paul Mescal, who was just nominated for an Oscar. He plays Lucius, grown up, and Connie Nielsen reprises okay. her role in that film. So that's all I know about it. I don't know anything else. So some of Scott's influences include uh, David Lean, Akira Kurosawa, and Neymar Bergman. Uh, visual trademarks of Ridley Scott's include, like, like I said, strong beams of light or filming into a light source, like in Gladiator... There's, like, that really, you know, there's really strong beams of light. Uh, He also uses fans in a really interesting way, like in Alien and Blade Runner. There's that shot of uh, Rucker Hauer in front of the fan that's really, really cool in Blade Runner. He also has, like, amber-colored interior shots that you can find, like, in the Duelist and Alien Covenant. And... There's, yeah, he does use yeah, and he, he also uses white horses yeah. in his film. I didn't think about that, but no, I'm like, yeah, legend yeah. has those shots. Yep. And Gladiator has those shots of white horses. So, thanks to IMDb for picking out all those trademarks. That's where yes. I got that from. Uh, so Scott has been lauded for his portrayal of strong women in his early films like The Duelists and Alien and movies like The Mobies, of course and GI Jane and more recent works like The Last Duel, which I liked. I know some people I did. didn't. It was I good. really I did liked. Too. Yeah, yeah, I really liked Jodie Comer. and her role in that. So uh, Scott stated that his mother and most of the women he's been in relationships with are strong women, and that's why he's drawn to films with strong women. And that's definitely one of the big reasons why I'm a big Ridley Scott fan. So uh, while Scott never won an Oscar, he has been nominated for Best Director three times in 1992 for Thelma and Louise, in 2001 for Gladiator, and in 2002 for Black Ock Down. The Martian was nominated for Best Picture in 2016. He has been nominated for a BAFTA six times, and he won the Michael Balkin Award in 1995, and the Academy Fellowship in 2018, which is a Lifetime Achievement Award. So he's, never, he's won these like special achievement awards. Uh, uh, now, Scott has three children, Jake, Luke, and Jordan, who are all film directors. And I just briefly, before we get into uh, the films we're going to be discussing today, I just want to uh, give a shout-out to Tony Scott, who was also a renowned filmmaker. He had 31 directing credits. He directed um, films like The Hunger from 1983, which I always thought was an underrated vampire film. I think yeah. it's a really beautiful shot. Isn't David shot Bowie in there? David Bowie's oh. in it. Yeah, Susan Sarandon, I so think. So talented. Just yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's just a really beautifully shot yeah. Oh, film. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. Also Top Gun, one of the greatest you know, b- popcorn blockbuster yep. films of all time from 1986. Uh, I had to throw Days of Thunder from 1990 and The Last Boy Scout from 1991 on here. They might not be classics to everybody, but I watched them a lot with my dad growing up, so I had to mention those. Uh, True Romance from 1993, one of the greatest films of the 1990s, in my opinion. No question. And Crimson Tide. Now, unfortunately, Tony died from an apparent suicide after jumping off a bridge in 2012, so um you know it must have been really hard for ridley and the rest of his family it's just horrible and as usual when we talk about these situations just if you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts there's the 988 suicide and crisis lifeline you know there's always help available you know and rip to tony
0: you didn't mention it's interesting you did not mention all the money in the world uh the the movie where uh he had to replace um, Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey because... with Christopher Plummer, okay, and yeah. uh, what, what I mean, and he did it too. He's like, I, I I know, but he didn't change the release date. They filmed every yes. single scene with Christopher Plummer that needed that, that was you know for Kevin Spacey over. It's yes. unbelievable, yeah. and there I think there was one shot where they're actually in Cairo that he actually used mm-hmm. uh green screen for. But other than that, yeah. everything else was like in it because it was just too expensive to t- take everything there again. Yeah. But it worked. It, it and Christopher Plummer gets nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, he was he
1: was the real winner there, Christopher Plummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mean, yeah. Really yeah. Scott, just yeah, just an amazing director, yeah. just a, so diverse mm-hmm. his his films and and they're really it, yeah. it really is something. So let's, yeah. and let's, it,
1: it, was, it took a lot to narrow down oh, yeah. his career. This this introduction could have been like 10 pages long. I mean, his right. career is extraordinary. Yeah, for sure. So let's jump
0: into your movie yeah. real quick. Let's jump into Alien from 1979.
1: Yep. Uh, so this was written by Dan O'Bannon, distributed by 20th Century Fox, starring Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and i um, yeah, Fat Cotto. I yeah, always mess his... It's, it's Yappet yeah. yeah, Cotto. Yappet yeah, Cotto. Thank yep. you. I'm so sorry I messed and up And he passed name. away a couple yeah, years R- ago. Yeah. RIP, sir. I didn't yeah. mean to mess your name no, up. No, no, no. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, so I just had to mention this. The additional screenplay was titled Star Beast, which I think just sounds <clears throat> ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad <laughs> it just sounds like some bad, I don't know, canon, like 80s, like Cheese Fest. Like, I'm really glad they like, yeah. changed that yeah. name. <laughs> so... Screenwriter Dan O'Bannon wanted Alien to be like both a sci-fi and horror film. And I would argue it is the greatest sci-fi horror film ever made. Some but people I might disagree, but to,
0: don't disagree. Yeah, with yeah you. for
1: me, it is. Yeah. So he suggested um, Scott watch uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Exorcist Um and these uh, films wound up influencing how yeah. the monster, just viciously, you know, the evil of the alien and the way that it attacks the crew. So I thought that was really interesting. Now, Swiss artist H.R. Geiger helped, of course, create the design of what is called now the Xenomorph, the alien. And uh, Ridley Scott and O'Bannon were influenced by Geiger's work, um, Nec- I'm sorry, Yeah, Necronom 4. Yeah, yeah Necronom. He... Geiger is an interesting artist. I mean, some of his work is kind of repulsive, but strangely intriguing. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm a big fan of H.R. Geiger. Yep. So um, most of the cast actually did not know. Um, and this is actually, thank you, Bruce, because uh, I did not. Oh, unfortunately, he's not with us, but hopefully he's doing well yes. um, today. Um, like not with the, not like while doing the show with us yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. So most of the cast, he told me that most of the cast did not know how graphic that burster scene was going to be. Like they they knew it was gonna, but they didn't know like all the blood and the and yeah. how shocking it well, was like, gonna be.
0: Uh. Poor, poor Veronica Cartwright looked like she was gonna be yeah. like have to be institutionalized. Yes. <laughs> there, that blood all over her face and yeah. Scott. <laughs> I mean, the, he did a wonderful job of capturing their fear. Yes, and yes. I think that's why he didn't want them to know. Yeah, I mean, obviously in a movie and you know it's fake, but he wanted to shock them and he did it. He really, and he shocked us, boy. The first time you see that happen, you're like holy crap yeah (laughs) nightmares are coming from that
1: yeah and the funny thing is is i knew it was coming because i'd seen space balls before this movie so of course but i love this i love what happened in space balls because it kind of neutralized the fear of it seeing the little thing dance around hello my honey yeah i mean it's amazing but like but even though i knew it was coming still scared the heck out of me so that's you know shows how brilliant that is so uh from this is from roger ebert's great movies review he said alien uses a tricky device to keep the alien fresh throughout the movie. It evolves the nature and appearance of the creature, so we never know quite what it looks like or what it can do. And I think that's a perfect uh, summary of how the actual alien creatures works in this film. Uh, In 2002, Alien was considered culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and added to the National Film Registry. It is number seven on the American Film Institute's list of best science fiction films. Uh, Now, when I was a kid, uh, you know, (laughs) There weren't a lot of like strong women in cinema. Uh, I had like, and I was happy to have Princess Leia. I had Princess Leia. I had married Ravenwood from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But for me, Ripley was life changing. Oh yeah. It was like, I had never seen a woman like that on film. I had actually seen Aliens before Alien. I love them both equally for different reasons. But yeah, for me, Ripley is one of the most inspirational women in film history. And Ridley Scott himself said that she casted her because he thought, and he loved this character, which is originally a male character. I'm really glad they changed the gender. Uh, He thought she was a breath of fresh air compared to the the subservient, more stereotypically feminine characters found in films at that time. And I found out that Weaver was actually not cast in the role um, until about two weeks before the cameras rolled. So she was, yeah. But he really admired, uh, Scott really admired her intellect. I think she was perfectly cast. I can't imagine anybody else in this role. Now, I just, I want to end my discussion, a little discussion here before i open it up to you jay because i'm sure you have a lot to say about this film everybody does my parents uh yeah i have two family anecdotes to share my family uh, my parents saw this at the long it's not it's been gone for years the golf mill theater in niles i remember it yep they saw this in 1979 when it opened and my mom said she kept she had a neck ache because she kept going like, you know, like <laughs> she was like so Freaking scared. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, my God. So um, and they actually said when they saw it in the theater in 79, when Ripley got into the escape pod, they thought the mo- people thought the movie was over and they left. But my parents just had a feeling it wasn't. You yeah. Know, like they-, yeah. But they my mom said, like, at the time yeah movies just kind of ended like that they yeah. didn't have like fake out fake out endings or you know twist ending those just weren't as common in the 1970s as they are now so my parents were glad they stayed in the theater and uh just a shout out to my cousin who may be listening i don't know he ex ac- he accidentally walked into the- a theater showing Oops. this movie when he was like seven or eight years old which was really scary so that's yeah, that would not be fun. <laughs> so I, day.
0: I didn't see this in the theater when it first came out. I think I saw it on HBO, oh, um, okay. you know, because I, I wasn't old enough. I was 14 years old at yeah. that point. I really wanted to go see it. I, my parents had let me see Jaws and Rocky mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and it's going back to your revealing the creature over time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a principle that really is sealed in Jaws, right? You do yes. not see the shark yeah. until a certain mm. point later. Yeah. And why? Because the shark didn't work. And yeah. so Spielberg had, to, yes. it, and it's scarier that way, though. The, what yes. you don't see it is, is scarier. scarier than what you see. Yeah. And, it, I mean, yeah. you know, don't be afraid in the dark. I mean, it's it's that yeah. principle, right? And it, oh, yeah. and it played, I mean, his use of light. Yes. The, you know the corridor I mean all of it I mean yes Scott this movie is and it's really it is a horror. Yes. Science fiction film, oh, it is. and yeah. you're right. It, it probably is the best of all time. It's yeah. just so good, and w- which makes it, you know, when you contrast it to Aliens, where Cameron took that, right? Yeah. I mean, where it's this is war, right? That's what it said right yeah. on the poster. Yeah, this is war. I mean, you know, or, yeah. or th- this time it's war. Yeah, this time right? it's war. Yeah, I remember going to see that in the theater, yeah. and just. You know, and obviously the chestburster—you know it's happening. You've seen it before. You're like, "That's a chestburster!" Ah, yeah. You know, but you'd seen it. It wasn't wasn't a scary movie. It was really more like. A, like a, an adrenaline, right? You you yes. know you're with them and you want to escape, right? Yes. Same same thing with the first one, right? Right. You want to find an escape, so yeah. I would
1: say Aliens is more like sci-fi action, yes, and I would correct. say that that and Terminator Two for me are the best sci-fi action films. Yeah. But there's no competition for Aliens, no, best it, sci-fi it, horror film it, of all time. It,
0: it, it's it's yes. wonderful. All right, yeah. let me, let me jump, let's jump real quick. Yeah, we'll jump to mine and then we'll finish off with our last. Oh, one. sure. Yeah. Okay, so 2015. Uh, the Martian, and yeah. uh, it's written by Drew Goddard, uh, distributed by 20th Century Fox, starring Matt Damon, Jessica Chastain, Sebastian Stan, Kristen Wiig, Jeff Daniels, Sean, ben, Sean Bean, sorry, mm-hmm. Kate Mara, uh, Michael Pena, mm-hmm. Chiwetel uh, Donald Glover, and Benedict Wong. Um, okay, so this is based on a book by Andy Weir yeah. mm-hmm. uh, called The Martian, and it's, I read this book before I saw the movie, Mm -hmm. and I read this book in like two nights. Mm -hmm. I couldn't put it down. It was so good. It's like the first time I read The Firm by John Grisham. It just was such a great book, and he's got some other movies. I'll talk about later, some other movies on his work coming out. But So the story, my premise behind it, if you haven't seen it, an astronaut becomes stranded on Mars. There's a mission to Mars uh, after his team assumes he's dead. And he must rely on his ingenuity to find a way to signal to Earth that he's alive and mm-hmm. can survive a potential rescue. Mm-hmm. So this re- it's a rescue movie, right? It's, you know, we've got to save this yep. astronaut. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's a lot of questions, you know, about, you know, are we going to spend all this money and all this time to save this one man trapped on Mars? But of course you are. Of course yes. that's what we're yeah. going to do as a human mm-hmm. race. Um, so it was um, nominated for 70 Academy Awards. Uh, did not win one, but it was nominated for Best Picture, Best yeah. Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role, Best Writing Adapted Screenplay, Best Achievement in Sound Mixing, Best Achievement in Sound Editing, Best Achievement in Visual Effects, and Best Achievement in Production Design. It won two Golden Gloves, uh, Best Motion Picture, Comedy or Musical. And... It's funny because Scott talks about this. He's like, this movie is a comedy. It's funny. It it is funny. There's some, you know, uh, there's some really funny stuff. But it's also, and it's like a comedy adventure film is what it is, right? Comedy Mm -hmm. action movie. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. But anyway, uh, and also one Best uh, Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Comedy Musical for Matt Damon. Um, Damon's solo scenes Mm -hmm. were shot. For five weeks straight, with no other cast around, he was not. There was no other cast on set, on purpose to give him the sense of isolation mm-hmm. from everyone else. Yeah. Right? He did not see the rest of the cast until they began promoting the movie. Wow. His emo, his scene when he hears Jessica Chastain's character, Commander Lewis, for mm-hmm. the first time, he like breaks down. Yeah. And he, Scott did that in one take. Oh wow. And he That's said so that, and, and and Damon said he put himself in a place where i'm isolated for 2 years mm-hmm. how would i feel yeah. the first time i hear someone talking to me yeah and it's a great scene it this is. is why he won the golden globe yeah. I and mean, he was he was very 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 good um and uh, you know, was also nominated for academy award for it as well so yes. and everyone else in his cast is really good love uh-huh. Don, donald glover's role benedict wong i mean all these smaller pieces Def daniels uh, you know, Kristen Wiig, you know, you know, town. I mean, everyone was fantastic in yes, this movie. Yes, yes. Um, so Andy Weir has two other books being developed into films. One's called Project Hail Mary. It's going to star Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. and also a book called Artemis, which I just finished reading, and it's based on a moon. Uh, it's like a moon uh, um, uh, caper, like a robbery. It's really, really, really interesting. It's going to be very, very good. So... I watched a video yesterday about Ridley Scott. So before we jump into our last one, I want to talk about this. Ridley Scott talked about, and I didn't send this to you, but it's it's in front of me. I got to oh, open sure. my computer. <laughs> and his, his keys to being a good director, mm-hmm. and he kind of talks about these things. Well, hold on just a second. Let me get it going. I apologize. I had it ready earlier. Okay. So. First thing he talks about is commercials are film schools, and he did a ton of commercials. And what he learned there was time versus creativity Mm -hmm. in that you're always on the clock. Okay, you can be as creative as you want, but you only have a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. You have a certain budget, and so that's what he learned there. All right, the story should be concise and Mm character-driven. So we all know what an elevator speech is, or if you don't know what an elevator speech is, if you're trying to sell someone something, you should be able to express it to them in under a minute or an elevator ride Mm -hmm. and what he said is any good story should be able to explain that story in under a minute between 30 seconds and a minute if it's going longer than that there's too much to it Mm -hmm. the story behind the movie should be explained in one minute or less all right said that you need to make actors comfortable give Mm -hmm. them a fun and safe environment oh yeah you need to embrace stressful environments Mm -hmm. you have to drive the bus As the director, you're driving this bus. Mm -hmm. You have to lead the way. You are the leader. You've got to make those decisions. And we've talked about that on this show. All right. Now, here's the key. And he talked about this with the movie The Martian. He storyboards everything. Okay. So on the set of The Martian, he did not carry the script Mm -hmm. because every single scene of that movie, he had drawn out in his storyboard. So he knew exactly what he wanted out of every single scene.
1: And yeah, there are actually no, I believe he calls them Ridley Grahams or Ridley Boards yeah, okay. or something like yeah. that. I, I've been reading his biography. Yeah, yeah. They have a name. <laughs> it's, so very, yeah. it's
0: very interesting. And the thing is, I watched this when he's talking about this. He's sitting yeah. next to Tarantino in this video. Tarantino doesn't storyboard. Yeah. So two very successful directors and yeah. they both have a different approach. Ridley Scott is very visual, yes. and you can see that from his movies. Yes. they're very, very visual. Yes, you know, and 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 we're, whereas Tarantino is very dialogue-driven films. Yes, without question, they're yes. dialogue-driven, and oh, that's yeah. you know. So anyway, um, thought that was really interesting. Yes, uh, they also mentioned that every role is important. So, you have to pay attention everywhere. So, like you talked about, like, you know, if you cast a couple mm-hmm. people to be your main character as an elevator, the elevator operator in there in the elevator is just as important. That person yeah. has to be right for your scene, mm-hmm. you know, right for your, for your, your work. Uh, I mentioned, like, think like an operator. So, he was, ta- that, he was talking about uh, more camera work, and in that, um, he hated light when it overpowers. So yes. he, he, like, he wants natural light as much as possible. That's why you see yes. shadows. Yes. And he yes. loves natural light in his film.
1: Yeah, and he's very meticulous about his oh. use of light or in the case, or lack of light in the exactly. case of Alien or Blade Runner, right. for sure. Oh, yeah,
0: a yeah. well, question. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he also the last thing you said real quick, then we'll jump into Blade Runner, which we wanted to talk to as a group about, yeah. is you need to be your own biggest critic. You have to acknowledge your mistakes and learn from them and move on. So you can't dwell on it. You've got to, it, it, again, going back to time versus creativity, you only have so much time to do what you're doing here. So you've got to make it work. And I just thought it was really, really interesting. You know, the starboarding thing was really that he did not have a script with him on the, yeah. the set of The Martian. Just slays me. You know, yeah. but He doesn't need it because he knows exactly what film he wants to create before he's made the film so yeah
1: yeah and he's been referred to as more of a visualist oh, than yeah. as an auteur absolutely you know but and he definitely does have those visual trademarks maybe his films are not as visually distinct as like wes anderson yeah. films where you're like oh there's that pastel palette or whatever but he's definitely a visualist filmmaker without so a and
0: probably yeah. his best visual film is the one we're going to talk about now blade yep. runner and right.
1: just one comment i have about the marsha before we yeah. talk about sure, it just one sorry, sorry no it's okay sorry that scene with Waterloo is one of the funniest scenes. I've, like, yeah. I saw that scene, like Matt Damon, like trudging around Mars and Waterloo plays because yeah. Jessica Chastain left him all that disco music. Yeah, that's right. all he has to listen right. to. That was one of the fu- It is funny. He's right. It is a comedy cause I lost it when yeah. I saw it. So funny. Yeah. Great movie. It great is a great cast. film.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off. No, no,
1: no, that. no, no. That's fine because we want to have plenty of time to talk about this masterpiece. Talk <laughs> uh, about Blade Runner. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Go Blade Blade ahead. Brutter. You jump right in. Yeah. So, uh, this is from 1982 written by Hampton Fancher and David Webb Peoples um, distributed by Warner Brothers starring Harrison Ford, Rucker Howard, Sean Young, Edward James Almost, M. Emmett Walsh, Daryl Hannah, Joanna Cassidy, and James Hong. Is it Hong or Wong? I always like It's James James Hong. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Just got a star on the
0: Walk of fame this year. Yeah. He's been acting for
1: a very, very long time. Yep. (laughs) So this is based on the 1968 novel, do Android's dream of electric sheep by Philip K. Dick. Uh, Philip K. Dick uh, died before he saw the completed film. But he did like the like twenty minutes of raw footage. Right. That he absolutely. So, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's sad he didn't get to see the completed film though. So I thought this was interesting. Gregory Peck was offered the role really? of Deckard. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad
0: that didn't happen. Yeah.
1: Um. Also uh, considered. Uh, no, no,
0: no. I don't want any of these people in this no. role.
1: <laughs> Gene Hackman, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, and Robert no. De We're no. happy. I mean, we love them, but we don't oh, want absolutely. them in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No. No. So it was actually um, Barbara Hershey, which I did not know, recommended that screenwriter Hampton Fancher consider Harrison Ford and Ford was not he didn't like that voiceover nomination not, narration narration, yeah. not narration. he did not like it that was his big critique of the script when he first uh, received it Ridley Scott was influenced by uh, for this um, he, he's in, you know because he was an art student so he right. loves art um, art has influenced a lot of his work and I thought it was interesting that he was influenced by one of my favorite paintings which is Nighthawks by Edward Hopper you know just the dark kind of right. urban look of that painting it makes a lot of sense uh, um, while The film was deemed a box office failure, and it was not a critical hit. Even like Ebert was like lukewarm on it when it came out in '82. It was a hit on home video, and is now, like like I said, regarded as one of the greatest science fiction neo noir films. They think it it really pioneered the cyberpunk genre. You know, yeah, it's had a huge, huge influence on science fiction uh, and so many subgenres. So uh, there were there. This film is known for its multiple cuts. The director's cut was released in 1992 and did not include the noir-esque voiceover narration that Paris and Ford didn't like. And that happier ending where um, Ford and Sean Young are kind of out in the yeah. green landscape, you know, the light, brightly lit green landscape. And it was always funny because I'd only seen – the director's cut that came out in 1992. I'd never seen the theatrical cut my mom saw in 82. So I'm like, what are you talking about, voiceover? I'm like, what, right. what film did you see? And then I finally figured out what was going on. Yeah. And then there's also the 2007 final cut, and that's the one Scott had the most complete uh, creative control over. And this film was also preserved in the National Film Registry along with Alien, but it was um, pr- uh, it was um, a- added in 1993. Um, yeah.
0: So a couple things that I read. One, he cast mm-hmm. Rutger Hauer mm-hmm. without even auditioning him. Oh, wow. He saw his work mm-hmm. and he said, this is the person I want in this role. Yeah. And absolutely, without question, fantastic. Yes. yes. I mean, amazing. Hauer's Tears in the Rain speech
1: so is yeah.
0: like two minutes of perfect cinema. Yeah, it is it really amazing. Is. Um, and he was, I mean, really, and you know, there's all the symbolic (laughs) nature of you know christ and i mean there's a lot of stuff that scott's throwing if you're really looking at it and howard could have killed him you know because deckard had killed you know all of his friends yeah and he didn't do that he spared his life you know because life has value and there's Mm -hmm. a lot going on i mean it's a it's a mesmerizing film and yeah it would have been unbelievable to be on the set while they're filming this movie yeah. because they made these physical sets. They're just mm-hmm. um, just unbelievable. You're right, neo-noir. Neo-noir, yeah. Know, absolutely. It's, it's so, really,
1: and that makes sense why they wanted the voiceover originally sure. because it is a very noir film. I mean, just the look of it, but then, yeah, you definitely have that. Uh, cyberpunk aspect of it as well. It's just beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Yeah. I will argue that till the day I die. It's yeah. Just gorgeous.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, so. without question. Yeah. No. Um. You know. Did you have any? I. I. You know. I, I read that. Uh-huh. Um. I know that. What was the other thing that I was thinking of? Um. You mentioned Neo noir. Yeah. Uh. Well, his favorite version of the movie is the is his the final cut yes. that he released yeah. in two thousand seven. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he has that cre- yeah. creative control mm-hmm. over it. Right. Um. did it was nominated for a couple Oscars. It didn't win. But, um, it really, you know, maybe at another time, this film was like very popular in the theater, you know? I mean, yeah. it is, it's a huge hit now. I mean, it really, yes. when you talk about science fiction and you talk about one of the greatest science fiction movies yeah. of all time, this is in the top 10. Oh, There's yeah. not a question that this yeah. movie, and it wasn't back then. It was very much, like I said, yeah. I don't remember it in the theater because right. it just wasn't, it wasn't a big thing.
1: I yeah. I mean, my mom was like one of the few people I think who liked it. It was right, really really right. big on it at the time, and now it's like it's one of the yeah, it is one of the most influential uh, films of all time. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, its yeah. influence is just far reaching. Just go on, you know, anywhere Wikipedia or wherever IMDb and look at the how many works were influenced yeah. by Blade Runner, even yeah. beyond cinema. It's yeah. insane. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. it's it well. You know, we, we had a sequel a couple of years ago at Blade Runner Forty Nine, right?
1: Yeah, and that's um. I cannot say that director's name. The director of Dune. Oh
0: um, yes, I can't. I can't either. You're right. <laughs> it's a
1: French sounding name, sir. I'm sorry, but no, like, it's okay. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I, I've heard good things about it. No,
0: yeah. it was good. We saw yeah. it. my son and I saw it in the theater. It was great to see, uh, you know, Harrison Ford in that role again. And and you know, I guess my final thoughts and on yeah. Scott is mm-hmm. I think he's a very practical yeah. filmmaker. I think he, you know, he talked about how the importance of, you know, you've got a budget, you mm-hmm. need to meet the budget, you got, you know, you got to control what you can control. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, he, and again, he's very, very, very visual. Mm-hmm. And he really, you know, I'm, what is the the award that they give away at the Oscars every year? Like Harrison Ford received it, the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, yeah, I, But him. it's named after someone. I can't remember who it's named after, a favorite. <sighs> but yeah. this man needs this. and He's probably mm-hmm. never going to win an Oscar, but his... Yeah. The stamp that he has left on the film industry yes. in the last forty some odd years cannot be denied. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the you know we don't even we're not even talking about Gladiator, yeah,
1: you yeah. know, which
0: is a great film. Yeah. You know, what I mean, yeah, and you know, Thelma and Louise, a yeah. great movie. I have that on LaserDisc. Funny, you know, yeah. you know, and you know, Harvey Keitel shows up in that movie again. Brad Pitt, like very yeah. young Brad Pitt, yes, you know, yeah. just oh my gosh. just a great director. He's left his mark and. Mm. He really should be recognized for that.
1: Yeah. And I just I don't think there's a director that can tackle that many genres that those very, you know, I mean, that diverse of a filmography. I just don't think many directors could handle that filmography and do it well, do it as well as he does. I just don't think it's, you know, I mean, he is. And you know what? Kubrick and, and Hitchcock, number one Oscar director. Yeah, novels, true. Anyway, so who cares? <laughs> but, no, but no. I, I get it. I, <laughs> but, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, for me, I think he's inspirational. You know, he kind of got his film career started, like, in, around my age, you know, or, you know, his feature film career, yeah. you know, started in his early 40s. And again, for me, you know, he, his films meant a lot to me as a young girl, watching Ripley, watching Thelma Louise, you know, I didn't have, again, a lot of strong, um, I had strong female role models in my life I have my mom you know I'm not saying I didn't have strong female role models but not really on screen so his films uh really meant a lot to me growing up yeah I mean it just I'm you know I'm so grateful for for Ripley thank you so much for bringing oh, <laughs> Alan Ripley into the world yeah. absolutely yeah. <laughs> absolutely so yeah. um
0: and I apologize for not mentioning this at the beginning, but. Um, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Bruce, our, yes, br- our friend Bruce yes, Stout, yes. Uh, who's going. He's kind of going through some personal things. He was unable to join us. So um, Bruce, uh, Michelle, and I are both thinking of you. Yes, of uh, if you hear this, we're think we love you. Uh, we hope everything works yeah. out. Uh, reach out to us if you need anything. If you can't reach out to us, please reach out to mm-hmm. us. So, all right, Michelle, we don't have a yeah. topic for next. We'll figure we'll something out. We'll figure something out. Yeah. We'll <laughs> figure something out um, but thank you for joining me of today. Course. I appreciate thank it, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Yeah. All right. And this is uh, Jay Schultz here, WHIW 101.3 FM. Guys, I, I do need to give you a piece of news. Came through. I, I'm one of these people who always kind of spies at my, at my um, uh, phone, you know, when I'm talking. Uh, Sinead O'Connor has passed away. At the age of, uh, let me turn that. Sorry, Michelle, you can turn that. I'm sorry. At, I love her. I, I did not know, know that. At I'm the age so of 56. Sorry. Yeah. Ugh. And that no cause of death was given. She had lost her son, evidently, yeah. r- recently. Or, you know, I don't know. But Wow. Um, you know, rest in peace. Holy cow. She was wonderful. So, um, yeah, may, may she find peace. So, all right. Anyway, guys, I have got to get out of here. I've got to, uh, head back to work, but thank you for tuning in. And, uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week here. Uh, Jay Schultz signing out.